Mark 6, 30 through 7, 29. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. Many people were coming and going, so there was no time to eat. He said to the apostles, Come by yourselves to a scheduled place and rest for a while. They departed in a boat by themselves for a deserted place. Many people saw them leaving and recognized them, so they ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. When Jesus arrived and saw a huge crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. Late in the day, his disciples came to him and said, This is an isolated place, and it's already late in the day. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat for themselves. He replied, You give them something to eat. But they said to him, Should we go off and and buy bread worth almost eight months' pay and give it to them to eat? He said to them, How much bread do you have? Take a look. After checking, they said, five loaves of bread and two fish. He directed the disciples to seat all the people in groups as though they were having a banquet on green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke the loaves into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. Everyone ate until they were full. They filled 12 baskets with leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. Right then, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake, towards Bethsidia, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying goodbye to them, Jesus went up onto a mountain to pray. Evening came, and the boat was in the middle of the lake, but he was alone on the land. He saw his disciples struggling. They were trying to row forward, but the wind was blowing against them. Very early in the morning, he came to them, walking on the lake. He intended to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost, and they screamed. Seeing him was terrifying to all of them. Just then, he spoke to them, Be encouraged. It's me. Don't be afraid. He got into the boat, and the wind settled down. His disciples were so baffled that they were beside themselves. That's because they hadn't understood about the loaves. Their minds had been closed so that they resisted God's ways. When Jesus and his disciples had crossed the lake, they landed at Genesaret, anchored the boat, and came ashore. People immediately recognized Jesus and ran around that whole region, bringing sick people on their mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, villages, cities, or farming communities, They would place the sick in the marketplaces and beg him to allow them to touch even the hem of his clothing. Everyone who touched him was healed. The Pharisees and some legal experts from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. They saw some of his disciples eating food with unclean hands. 
they were eating without first ritually purifying their hands through washing. The Pharisees and all the Jews didn't eat without first washing their hands carefully. This is a way of observing the rules handed down by the elders. Upon returning from the marketplace, they don't eat without first immersing themselves. They observe many other rules that have been handed down, such as the washing of cups and jars and pans and sleeping mats. So the Pharisees and the legal experts asked Jesus, why are your disciples not living according to the rules handed down by the elders, but instead eat food with ritually unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He wrote, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human words. You ignore God's commandment while holding on to the rules created by humans and handed down to you. Jesus continued, Clearly you are the experts at rejecting God's commandment in order to establish these rules. Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and the person who speaks against father or mother will certainly be put to death. But you say, if you tell your mother or father, everything I'm expected to contribute to you is Corban, that is, a gift I'm giving to God, then you are no longer required to care for your father and mother. <clears throat> in this way, you do away with God's word in favor of the rules handed down to you, which you pass on to others, and you do a lot of other things just like that. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said, listen to me, all of you, and understand, nothing outside of a person can enter and contaminate a person in God's sight. Rather, the things that come out of a person contaminate the person. After leaving the crowd, he entered a house where his disciples asked him about that riddle. He said to them, don't you understand either? Do you know that nothing from the outside that enters a person has the power to contaminate? That's because it doesn't enter into the heart, but into the stomach, and it goes out into the sewer. By saying this, Jesus declared that no food can contaminate a person in God's sight. It is what comes out of a person that contaminates someone in God's sight, he said. It's from the inside, from the human heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual sins, thieves, murders, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, unrestrained immortality, evil insults, arrogance, and foolishness. All these things come from the inside and contaminate a person in God's sight. Jesus left that place and went to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know that he had entered a house, but he couldn't hide. In fact, a woman whose young daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard about him right away. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, Seraphonician by birth. She begged Jesus to throw the demon out of the daughter. He responded, the children have to be fed first. It isn't right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. But she answered, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Good answer, he said. Go on home. The demon has already left your daughter. The word of the Lord. 
I once again want to start off by taking some time to recognize where we're at. If we were following the lectionary cal uh, calendar instead of doing the Mark series, we would be celebrating both Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday uh, this Sunday. Palm Sunday being the celebration of Hosanna, Jesus is King, we'd be waving palm branches and laying them down in the aisles to let us know that the King of the Jews has arrived. Our Messiah, the one that we had been waiting for, had come to save us. But in the span of an hour, we'd also cover Passion Sunday where Christ is crucified. And how we move from this sense of jubilation to exhaustion. And I, I was also saying and reflecting in that that kind of feels like the moment we're called in right now as a culture, right? This stay-at-home pandemic, there's this kind of newness, excitement, but there's still this also exhaustion and this leadershiplessness that's happening right now. Nobody knows what's going on or what's going to happen. There's chaos. All of this, I just wanted to speak to and say, I don't know if I have the answers. And I don't know if God is going to give us the answers. But what I do know and what I do trust in is that God is in control. Because as we also know, that means that Easter is coming and that the resurrection is coming. That God does not let dead things lie in graves for too long. That there is this sense of resurrection and the newness that that can bring coming. So I wanted to give us space this morning to at least acknowledge that before we moved into the Mark Human Bible Study. So, once again, we have ourselves another sermon and another reference to the camp that I worked at called Summer Games. But this time, in the form of a singing grace. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, before you eat, you should always pray and, of course, sing grace. Now, once again, since the ages of this camp was 6 to 16, it had to be entertaining, quick to remember, and fast. So, one of the songs was named 5 and 2. And my joke is that I would always have my camp group request that we only sing this song at every single meal. And then whenever I was the counselor in charge of choosing the song, for every single meal I would choose five and two, even if no one was requesting it. So, let me take a drink of water real quick and here we go. Five and two, come take a look. Five and two, that's all it took. Barley loaves and two small fish. Jesus fed a crowd with just such a dish. Oi! And that was the song. And then we could go and we could eat. I know you're all happy you came and tuned in this morning. So today we find ourselves with the disciples returning after Jesus has sent them out. And you know what Jesus says? Go and rest. I just wish that the church would hear this for a moment. Go and rest. Such an important part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is finding the time to rest. Now, we have people who are following Jesus. Jesus have, the people had found him and they begin to gather once again. And now with 
all of them gathered around Jesus, the disciples begin to get worried. Now, there are two ways to look at this next part of Scripture. The optimists would say that they are worried about the health of the people gathered, that they are caring about these individuals, and they want them to be in their well-being, and so they want them to be fed. The pessimists would say that they're worried about the economics of the situation. They're worried about how much money it will take to feed everyone, and they do not want to spend that type of money. Either way, you read it, the situation has become dire. There are people that need to be fed, and they need to feed them. Jesus does what, you know, he simply always does, and just asks, what do you have? What have I already given you? Isn't this a charge to the church? As we gather people, we are, called to, we are called to take care of those gathered. And sometimes we get so worried about taking care of those people, whether out of optimism or pessimism, that we miss out on what God has already given us. Partly because we get so focused on the doing what we have always done that we may not see a new way of taking care of the people gathered. That is such a moment for us right now as a church. We're always caught up in the way that we're always doing things. That when something like COVID hits, we need to think of new ways to take care of the people gathered. And we don't need to necessarily go out and find new things, but look at what Christ has already given us. See, the disciples were caught up in the two ways that they've always dealt with the situation, either by giving them food uh, by themselves, the disciples paying for it, or asking the people to go and find food for themselves. And what Jesus gives them is a whole new way to answer the question of saying, hey, let's just give this to God, take an opportunity, and see how far it goes. This is one part that I love about this miracle is Jesus really doesn't tell them from the very beginning that there's going to be enough. At each pull of the bread, at each slice of the fish, they had to trust that their basket would be full. That each time they reached into that basket was a small act of trust that they would be able to find something in it and pull something out. How often do we trust God like that? As a church, how often do we trust God that every time we go to the well, that there will be something there? Or how many times do we find ourselves trying to plan God? I'm not against planning. What I am against is knowing when there's time to let go of planning. What I am for is sometimes at some point, we all need to find a place where we just reach into the bag and pull out whatever we have and hope that is enough. And when the disciples are done, there are 12 baskets left over. Because with Jesus, there's always some leftovers. After the miracle, we once again run into a movement of Mark. Jesus is still on that sprint to Jerusalem. And we are getting closer and closer to that moment. After the miracle, once again, Jesus goes up to rest. And while resting, the disciples are on the boat and a storm once again rises. Now, the disciples aren't freaking out as bad as last time. But more, they are frustrated that they're not able to get anywhere in the storm. Then they see Jesus walking towards them, and this freaks them out. Think about it. If Jesus was walking on water, that means he could no longer be human, which means he had to have died, which also means who they thought Jesus was 
who they had given up their lives for, was now gone, because no Messiah would just die. No Son of God could just die. They're having to confront the mortality of who Jesus Christ is, and even their own mortality. If Christ is truly God, who's going to save them from the storm? In the midst of the sea of this communion and doubt, if you think Christ was dead, if Christ was gone, would you not also then begin to panic? Would you also not be then terrified? Then that all too familiar voice calls out, be encouraged and do not be afraid. That once again, in the midst of the storm, do not be afraid, but rather be encouraged. The eye is on the sparrow. Christ knew that his disciples were in the midst of the storm, even when he was in his quiet place, and he left it to go find them. I think there's this interesting line that we'll talk about actually in the Bible study when we meet on Sunday. His disciples were so baffled that they were beside themselves because they hadn't understood about the loaves. Their minds had already been closed, so they resisted God's ways. I'm really excited to talk about the different interpretations of this line and what it means for us as Wesleyans. Jesus continues on in his ministry. An important thing to note is that Jesus is becoming more and more popular. People are beginning to note the name of Christ and show up in bigger and bigger crowds. The popularity of Jesus is on a rise, and it seems like the messianic secret is no more. His actions have spoke, and now they're brought to people. An important thing to know is how many people are coming to Christ. They are the their narrative shoutbacks to the previous forms of healing. When we read about these healings in this chapter, it's a, similar to a previous healings that Christ had done. We have friends bringing friends on mats. We have people coming out from the farmlands. We have people just wanting to touch the hems of his clothes. And this is all because people told their stories. Because of all of this, the Pharisees once again decide to try to trap Jesus once again. His disciples were not properly cleansing themselves before eating certain foods. And this upset the Pharisees, who were trying to do a little bit of that gotcha journalism with Jesus. If he can prove Jesus wrong about something then maybe you can prove that he could be wrong about everything. And I also want to make a little side note here saying it's a little bit weird to talk about not washing your hands as an okay thing right now because that is definitely not the message to be sending. Wash your hands, people. The Pharisees are once again trying to catch Jesus on a technicality when it comes to his disciples and trying to show the people gathered that Jesus is leading them away from the Jewish tradition, that the Pharisees Fear the power that Jesus has over the people gathered, but also because the number is growing great, and also because of the message. The message of Christ is unsettling to those who have settled at the top, and right now, that is the Pharisees. When Jesus is confronted with the law, Jesus did what he often did and responded back with law. He quotes back to Messiah about the people of Israel who have embraced empty worship the unhelpful half-breath, the sigh, the going through the motions, the action without passion, the holding on to law without understanding intent of law. And we came across this once before, right? Only a couple of chapters ago, 
the Pharisees had talked, had asked Jesus about the disciples while working on the Sabbath. Remember, they were breaking grain heads in their palms. And what Jesus' response was, was the Sabbath was created for man and not man for the Sabbath. He's continuing on with these Pharisees saying that the well, laws made by humans, is, that we have today laws made by humans instead of the commandments given to us by God. How quickly we build golden calves in the desert. How quickly we are to exchange difficult commandments for easier laws to follow. A difficult commandment like love your enemy in a so much simpler way of saying hate those who are not like you. How quickly you make about washing your hands instead of the intent of having clean hearts. And how quickly do we care about the outside of appearance about what we're doing instead of who we are internally. And I do believe, church, this is our sin. How many times have we been caught up in how we as a church appear in public rather than what's happening inside of our own closed doors? How many times have our desires for the appearance of peace allowed war to rage on and those gathered within? Jesus is calling out the Pharisees and what the disciples don't understand in the chapter. Jesus goes further and saying it's not about what a person takes in, but rather what about what a person puts out or what they do. It's not about what we ingest as people, but where our hearts are. What we do, our actions, what actions we do or do not take, that matters more to God than what we eat. Now it would be remiss that during this time we don't that we find ourselves in, that we're really beginning to see the hearts of some of the people, companies, and churches and governments around us. We're able to see that it's not about saying certain things about what they're doing, and in most cases, what they're not doing. The heart matters to God. Who we really are matters to God. It's not just as us as individuals, but also the things that we are a part of. The churches we go to, the people we hang out with, the companies we patronage, their hearts matter to God. We must remember, especially during this time, Remember our hearts, remember those around us, and to have grace with them, as God has had grace with us. And the last story we come into scripture today comes from a Greek woman who comes to Jesus pleading for her daughter to be saved. And this is a great interaction because it almost functions like a Marcan sandwich that we talked about last week. The woman who is not of Jewish faith comes to Jesus pleading for healing. And Jesus responds with a parable that the children, that being the children of Israel, the Jewish people, need to be fed first. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, those who are outside the Jewish faith. And the woman answers, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. That is to say that even the dogs are fed because children are careless and they drop crumbs onto the floor. Or if you're my daughter, intentionally throw them onto the floor for the dogs. Jesus sees that this woman has seen the heart of the gospel and says that she has answered correctly and that her daughter has been healed. The reason why this story kind of is like a Marcan sandwich, because the story before informs the story that follows it, is just in a bit of a different context. The first story we have is the children of Israel who receive the bread 
but are careless and disregard it because it is not clean bread or was not was not received with clean hands rather they have made the laws of god's commandment and made that made their heart reject what was so clearly in front of them they made the laws of god they made laws of god's commandment that made their hearts reject which was so clearly in front of them jesus tells them that they have become blind to what God is doing in front of them. And then you have this Greek woman who can see what God is doing, even though she's outside of God's perceived family. And seeing that the God is intent is to go beyond the Jewish people, to all people. And Jesus tells her that she is right. The God is intent not only one, that was once bound to only the Jewish people, is now falling to everyone. And it could be because of rejection, because of carelessness. It could be because of what the original intent was. But regardless, we were all fed by the bread of Christ. We all have read, we have read a lot about bread this morning. And I know that we're all intimate with Christ, knowledge, knowing Christ as the bread of life. In fact, there's another singing grace about Christ being the bread of life. But I am not going to grace you with my singing twice in one sermon. What I do want to talk about is that we now really are getting into the intent of who Christ is as a Messiah when it comes to the context of the Gospel of Mark. And seeing these small miracles of how Christ is there to sustain us. In the beginning of the sermon, we read about the miracle of feeding the thousands. And we need to be reminded that what Christ has already given us is enough to feed those who Christ will gather to us. Yes, we need to plan. Yes, we need to be smart about spending money for moments such as this. But we also need to remember that Christ has created you for a moment such as this. The giftings, the talents, all of it. And out of all of that that Christ has given you, Christ will multiply. Christ will sustain. And out of that, Christ will feed us all. In order to feed them all, we will need to work together. One of the ways that Christ sustains us is by sustaining us through one another. Christ is one who makes the insignificant magnificent. Do not believe that you are alone in this, because we as the body of Christ work together to accomplish so much together. And then we, as we move, we find the Pharisees who have turned the commandments of God into law, as laws that have been passed down from generation to generation so much that it seems so much different than the original intent of what that commandment was. It has been changed to controlling people rather than directing people to God. And Jesus calls it out. It is not about how you receive the bread or the state of the hands when you receive your bread that you eat, but rather it's about what that bread does to you and how it changes you as a person. It's not about the state you are in when you consume it, but how you let the gospel change you and change you as a person. I want to speak real quickly because there's been ways that this scripture has been manipulated for people to say that it's okay for me to consume sin as long as I am a good person. And I want to push back against that saying that you can't consume sin and still remain a good person, because what we still consume does affect us. 
And what Christ is saying here is it's not necessarily about what you eat, but what he's saying about is the state of when you eat it. But rather, what when we eat Christ, the bread of Christ, the gospel, when we take that in, how does it change us? Because if we are good-hearted people, then we do the good things. But if our hearts are in an evil place, then out of that, no matter what we eat, evilness will come. You cannot eat, cannot consume sin and not have it affect you. Hear me on that. What Christ is really saying here is do not be burdened unnecessarily. And do not burden those around you unnecessarily for the sake of burdening them. Christ's love was meant for everyone. It was first to the Jewish people, but I do not believe that would have ended there because of this interaction with the Greek woman. He's not saying the dogs were to go hungry, but rather at first it was going to the Jews first. And then Christ will probably come to the Gentiles as well. And today I feel we reserve our grace sometimes in the church for those who are inside the faith more than those for who are outside the faith. We are quick to be graceful to other Christians before those who are not like us. And I assure you, this is not what Christ shows here. What Christ shows here is that his love is intended for everyone. Regardless if you're first or last, it is intended for all. We are the body of Christ. We have the rich responsibility to continue that offering. Let us not get caught up in who is in and who is now. Let us not get caught up in there might not be enough. Let us not get caught up with the unnecessary laws we create that block the intent of the commandments of God. Let us not get caught up in what Christ is doing. Let us not get caught up in what Christ and not see what Christ is doing here, now, and in front of us. Let us embrace Christ in all of the complexity of his mission towards Jerusalem and go forward. I'm going to say that once again. Let us embrace Christ in all of the complexity of his mission towards Jerusalem. And then go forward. Also, please remember to wash your hands. Amen.